0: Hey, welcome back to the Hancock and Kelly Show. For those of you who know John Hancock and know his love of ragtime and what he's done for the Scott Joplin House, and he's played all over town, I'm going to step aside and watch these two guys that are about to interview each other be fanboys. This is incredible. I am honored to be joined in studio by noted composer Damian Sneed, uh, who has written uh, editions and incorporated Modern and new uh, pieces into Scott Joplin's 1911 work, *Treemonisha*, uh, an opera in three acts. It's now an opera in five acts, thanks to Damien Sneed. And this whole journey started your freshman year at Howard University.
1: Yes, uh, it's my honor to be here with you and all the listeners. Yes, it started at Howard University. I was a freshman uh, coming from Augusta, Georgia. Mm. And uh, I was going to Howard because I wanted to follow in my godmother's footsteps, the late Jesse Norman. Sing at my parents' wedding after her freshman year. A f- phenomenal singer. Amazing singer. Yeah. And it's interesting, this uh, graduate student in the theater department walked up to me and said, I don't know who you are, but, but this is for you. And I looked at her like she was crazy, uh, and she handed me a brown paper bag of music. I mm-hmm. never looked at the music. I just put it on my shelf in my uh, room in the freshman dorm. And later on that semester, I started working with Sylvia Lee, uh, who was one of the first African-American staff members at the Metropolitan Opera. Right. And uh, she went to Oberlin, and her father was a part of the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And uh, I saw her walking down the hall. I had met her at the NAACP axo Competition. Uh-huh. And then I just started playing for one particular vocal studio, the vocal studio of Carmen Balthrop.
0: Which was the original Tremonischa in the Houston Grand Opera production. Exactly. That won the Pulitzer.
1: And I found out about that because uh, I went to the library at Howard and just checked out some random videos of operas. And I saw Carmen Balthrop was singing the lead role of Tremanisha, the Gunther Schuller edition. Yeah, right. Uh, And so it was just amazing uh, when I decided to move out of the freshman dorm and go into what we call the Towers by the famous blue Howard University McDonald's. Uh, It's so strange. I looked uh, at all of my uh, books on the shelf, and I opened this music. Let me see. What is this about? And it was actually the uh, piano vocal score to Tremanisha. (laughs) Oh, wow. So from that moment on, I felt a very strong connection. What's interesting, the director, Rajendra, Uh, happened to write his thesis for his master's degree on Tremonishe that same time in the spring of, I'm dating myself, 1997. Yeah. So we both felt a calling. He said that he wanted to direct the opera one day, so now he's here with OTSL. What a
0: a tremendous American work that opera is. Uh, Joplin's orchestrations have been lost and so Schuller had to create the orchestrations for the Houston Grand Opera. Have you take? Have you orchestrated the whole thing here, or are you based off of Schuller, or how are you, How did you come I've to I've
1: orchestrated the entire thing. You and did. Get, and guess what's very interesting? Mm. Uh, I worked at Houston Grand Opera as yeah. composer-in-residence, assistant cover conductor, and uh, also with their uh, HGO Co. community program. Well, Hurricane Harvey came right before I moved to Houston, and so when I decided to... Uh, To, you know, get settled in my office maybe two or three months later, a soprano from Houston, her name is Nicole Heaston. Uh She decided to say, hi, I want to introduce myself. Let me uh, take you around the corner to some things that we salvaged from the basement. She gave me a poster of Porgy and Bess, and she said, but I selected this poster for for you. And I'm like, okay, don't know who this lady is, but she's just being kind, very uh, uh, hospitable the southern way. And she unraveled it and unrolled it, and it was a poster of the Gunther Schuller production of Truman Issue. So I asked the librarian, could they let me see the score? And I got to see the actual uh, full score that Schuller did his By hand. By hand. Yeah. And I was just blown away that I had that opportunity and actually to work there at Houston Grand And that was
0: staged, what, in 76, somewhere in there? 76. And you know what else is interesting? Mm. Justin
1: Austin, who's playing the role of... Uh, Scott Joplin, and Remus Uh in our story, an opera within an opera. Right. What's interesting is I met him a few years before that playing for the Boys' Choir of Harlem their last year, which was founded by the Walter Turnbull, who was in the chorus of Tremonitia at Houston Grand Opera, (laughs) along with Lorna Myers, who's still alive, who was in the chorus. Robert
0: McFerrin was in that production as yes. well, who's yeah. got St. Louis ties. Exactly. Um, uh, now, so this is fascinating. Joplin's uh was never produced professionally in Joplin's lifetime. He had one basically dress rehearsal without costumes or scenery uh, to try and entice somebody to invest in. It, and it just never happened. Joplin developed syphilis and, and died. Uh, we mentioned that in the opera too, your, no
1: syphilis specifically.
0: Your story is not dissimilar in that you've tried to produce this thing for a while, and this is the first time that it's going to be realized.
1: The first time. Another interesting note. Brandy Sutton, who's playing the role of Tremonisha, and also Freddie Alexander, his wife that died. It's interesting. We tried to mount this with the Phoenicia International Festival of the Voice, and guess what? Upon the first note of the overture, on stage, lightning hit the tent. And a storm came out of nowhere, and we all had to flee and run. And so we never got to uh, realize it. So even uh, in the Zitzprobe, in the rehearsals, I'm blown away because we're so close and it's completed. And one of the arias that Justin Austin sings that uh, Karen Chilton, Librettist, and I created is called "The Opera Is Complete."
0: Wow, I, I I'm, I'm just got tingles. Uh, when is this? When is this showing at Opera Theater? When does it begin? The world
1: premiere is May 20th.
0: May 20th around and it the runs through
1: June 24th. So people have oh, about nice. 7 to 8 opportunities to see it.
0: Folks, I've seen this performed twice in St. Louis. Uh, the last time by Opera Theater 2000. in 2000 and I saw it when the, I graduated from saw it in the 1980s. Uh I can't remember where, but I saw it in the night I think it was '81. Uh but it's it's just fabulous. The story of Asia is so for 1911 revolutionary. It's a, it's about education being the key to to Bring a, a race out of ignorance, basically, uh, and and a woman is the leader. It's that is a, that was revolutionary stuff. Revolutionary in Revolutionary
1: in the Reconstruction era, and isn't that so prescient and apropos now? With uh, we're seeing now in the world that uh, female leaders are having an opportunity to uh, take the reign. I remember uh, from the Philippines, Aquino. Uh, How she was a leader and I always revered her and I used to ask my parents who were born in the 30s about her. And now here in America, we have a vice president. We're seeing uh, leadership being shared. Uh, People are coming out of their boxes because of education, because of understanding of other cultures and languages and uh, ways of thinking. So it's it's incredible. And the superstition and religion is incorporated there, but also the theme of community. That's very, very strong. In the opera and what we wanted to create in our arc and story. Community,
0: family, uh, another theme that runs through that. And guess what else? Ned
1: and Monisha find this baby. They found the baby under a tree. Yeah. Monisha, tree Monisha. Yes. And I have a special connection with that because I was adopted. Oh, wow. So there's so many uh, points of commonality in this opera that I feel like it was... It is a part of my destiny and calling.
0: Joplin himself was very well-educated. He wrote a piece called The School of Ragtime. It was an instructional manual, 1908. And what I love about it is his write-ups for each of the exercises. You can tell, very thoughtful, uh, extremely articulate. And they said the people that knew Joplin, he barely spoke above a whisper. He was very serious, and he would often just kind of drift off into musical thought, he begins scribbling things on a on a napkin, perhaps. And he uh, was a really interesting guy who became later in life very conscious uh, of his race and the importance that that played.
1: He he definitely was a true savant. Uh, it's very interesting. I was speaking with Eric Sedgwick, a phenomenal uh, pianist who's on faculty at Manhattan School of Music with me in New York City. And we incorporate the piano on the stage, but also in the orchestration. So there are moments where you hear Bethina and Chrysanthemum and Maple Leaf Rag and Entertainer. But what's interesting, we were discussing after uh, one of the orchestra readings that Joplin had to have excellent technique. And uh, for the pianists out there, his fingerings had to be correct in order to sustain the positioning and the movement of ragtime and to keep everything in rhythm and to move uh, fluidly effortlessly. So it's just amazing.
0: There were better pianist than scott joplin in the in the ragtime era Mm -hmm. tom turpin here was phenomenally powerful pianist Uh, louis chauvin was they said supposed to be the best yes joplin himself later in life actually took lessons to learn because he composed like mozart away from the piano and he would have to take lessons to learn some of his later pieces like magnetic rag which is just a masterwork
1: it's a masterwork I've, i've looked at the score and to me it also reminds me a lot of uh chopin yeah, the way that the left hand moves, and now which sort of uh, set the precipice, uh, even after blues into what we call the the tritone, you know, mm-hmm. the augmented fifth. At one time, previously in Western music history. That was the chord, the bad chord that you could be right. excommunicated from the church yeah, yeah. if you played that interval. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and and, and Joplin uh, the harmonies. I'm thinking of uh, we will trust you as our leader. The way the harmonies weave in and out of that thing it's just it's, it's, it's
1: a choral masterpiece. It is. And some people would think that it goes on and on, but he's constantly changing the voicings, and something is always uh, blooming and blossoming, and uh, just opening up every time you hear the chorus sing and then Trimanisha sing a line in between. It's a masterpiece.
0: It is, and Joplin was a genius. Uh, his, his chromaticism, uh, the use of chromatics in composing, uh, was way ahead of its time.
1: And also how he quickly uh, transitions in between scenes uh, within one aria, within one number, as people think. Some people say, oh, it's not opera, it's musical theater. But it's, it's amazing compositionally, the structure, how... Uh, He is such a genius in how he just changes into different keys and modes as well.
0: Wow. Our guest is Damien Sneed, a great composer who has taken Scott Joplin's Tremonitia, enhanced it. I can't wait to see it. It starts May 20th at Opera Theater, St. Louis. Plenty of seats available. Um, I'll be be there for the first night for sure. And... uh, Good, good luck to you, and congratulations to see this dream realized. Thank you so Amy. much. Thank you. has been a pleasure. When we come back, Joe Terrell is going to join us. Michael, and what's he going to tell us about? Well, we're going to talk about the economy and how you should be investing your money in this crazy environment we're in after this on KMOX.